For some of us, we've had a great dad and a great example of a father or that father figure in our life. Uh, but for some of us, maybe that father figure is no longer here. Maybe it's a different season of life. Maybe we've just had a terrible example of what a dad or what a father is. There's some men here hoping to one day become dads, but they're not at that place yet. And it's always just important to remember that and to pray for one another. But I heard this poem at a East Coast Pastors Conference, and I thought it was great. I think it's a great reminder for us as men uh, to just be in the role that God has for us. That I believe, uh, besides for taking the Bible and prayer out of schools, and the more we've tried to uh, kick God out of our nation, besides that, the lack of fathers in the home is probably the second greatest damaging factor to our nation and to our society. Uh, but this poem, it has an anonymous author. That guy's run tons, of, uh, written tons of poems and quotes. Um, but it goes like this. It says, I may never be as clever as my neighbor down the street. And I may never be as wealthy as some other people I'll meet. I may never have the fame that other men may have. But I just want to be successful as my little boy's dad. There are certain dreams I cherish that I'd like to see come true. And there are things I'd like to accomplish when my working days are through, but the task my heart is set on is no passing fat. I just have to be successful as my little boy's dad. And it's just important for us as we're men, the men that are here, that you're a father, you're a husband, that you truly come into the role that the Lord has for you. That you're not waffling, you're not being sinful, you're not being a hypocrite in front of your family or in front of the Lord. But you are being that holy example, that priest of the home. That our job as fathers is to show our family what Jesus looks like and how Jesus acts. So may we be in that role. I know that statistically you're more prone to end up in jail or having a difficult life when you don't have a father in your home compared to that, those who did not have a mother in their home. There's something very important and very special to not only have a dad or a male in the home, but a true and actual father. So men, may we fulfill those roles. May we not simply be bitter if we didn't have that type of dad, but may we become that type of dad to other men. I love the teaching from Sandy Adams. He says, boys, they're always looking for someone to be their dad, but men are looking to be fathers to other people. So may that be us. May that be said of us that we are looking to bless others and care for others and take care for other people. Got to remember, we're the ones that teach our daughters what to expect from their future husband. And we're the ones who teach our sons what's expected of them as men and as priests of their home one day. So it's important, man. Don't be a deadbeat dad. Don't be a sinful dad. Don't be a sorry excuse for a dad, but be a godly man. And we're here in Genesis chapter 6. I think it's so cool. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 8, it tells us, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and Noah walked with God. What we'll see in verse 18 is that the Lord tells Noah, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark you and your sons, and your wife, and your sons' wives with you. What we'll see through the course of this morning and early afternoon is that Noah's relationship and walk with God not only saved him from destruction, but it also saved his wife, his sons, and his daughter-in-law. And again, what an amazing legacy Noah had. We'll look at it later on, probably not this week. But we wish that this is all that is said of Noah's legacy. But we know he doesn't end very well. He ends pretty poorly. He ends with a black eye in a sense, messing up one of his sons, messing up his own legacy. And we need to remember that we are only as good as our worst day. A lot of times we can flare up in pride thinking that we're super holy and super awesome. But we're one bad decision away from just totally wrecking our legacy. And what people know us about or how our kids or our spouse looks at us. But in Genesis chapter 6, we can dive in now to verse 1. It reads, Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. 
and they took wives for themselves whomever they chose. And then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Verse 4, The Nephilim, or the giants, were on the earth in those days. And afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bore children to them. And those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. So there's a lot going on in these first four verses. We know that we're six chapters into the entire universe and the entire world being created and made into existence by the very words of God. And we can see that we have made a mess of things in a hurry. We've made a mess of things in a hurry. They're multiplying. And in verse 2, we see this phrase, the sons of God. And then we see the daughters of men. But let's focus in on verse 3 first. God has to say, and he's saying, I guess, to himself or to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, that my spirit shall not strive with man forever. And there's a scary truth that we do not know where the line of no return is with God. You see, Samson, he thought he had it all under control. He was playing both sides of the fence, and God was honoring him in the midst of it. That he was in sin, and then yet he would come and he'd do mighty things for God. He was in sin, and then he would free the people of God, and he would get into one bad situation after another, but he was able to get out. He thought he had it all under control, but one day he didn't realize that the Spirit of God had left him. And it says he rose up like every other time, but he didn't realize it. And then that was the day Samson was truly humbled and brought low. We also know that in the life of Pharaoh that he was messing with Moses. And he thought he was messing with the Lord time after time after time. Telling Moses one thing, then turning around about nine different times he does this. But he did not realize that that tenth time it would cost him his very own son. You can write down Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. You don't have to turn there. It tells us, Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Many times we mistake the grace and mercy and long-suffering of God as God's approval, or God being okay with our sin, or God being okay with our double lifestyle, God being okay with our laziness or making other gods before him. But there's just simply a gap of time between sowing and reaping. There's a delay before we actually see the fruit of the decisions that we are making in our lives. There's always a delay. I don't know how many people here are farmers or avid gardeners, you know. But there's a while when you put that seed into that ground or Maybe you're working with elementary kids and you put that seed in that little styrofoam cup. It takes time for that lima bean to sprout out or that mango tree or whatever's going on. And it's the same thing with our life's choices. It's the same with our relationship with God, our relationship with the people we love. Man, it's the same with diet and exercise, right? We eat one salad and we get right on the scale. We're like, okay, what's going to happen? And it takes time. It takes time. We do one workout, and I think I'm getting bigger, right? And it takes time. It's an extremely delayed gratification, and there's a delay before we see the actual fruit of the decisions and lifestyle we make. So family, may we not take the grace of God for granted. May we not take His grace as Him applauding our sin or double lifestyle. May we turn and may we run for Him, A hundred percent as we see that Noah did. May that be our lifestyle. Because we don't know when God will finally say that he's not going to strive with us anymore. And he'll allow us to go into the sin that we are so desperately seeking. In verse 4, we're now going to see some pretty freaky and weird things that are happening in these first four verses. Some people think that this is simply the line of Seth and the line of Cain intermingling with one another and getting married and things like that. But why would that hurt God so much that he would need to wipe out the entire human race because of this type of sin? As always, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 2 and we'll look at a couple scriptures. 2 Peter chapter 2 all the way in the back of our Bibles. 
The Lord is using Peter and he's telling us more about the life of Noah and what was going on in his day. It reads, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to the pits of darkness, reserved for judgment, and he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. What I believe, what many scholars believe, is at some point these fallen angels who fell with Satan, who fell with Lucifer, who became demons, began to seduce women by different means, bearing this new different species of mankind. And these giants are those that are on earth, or these Nephilim. When you see them throughout Scripture, these giants, these Nephilim. And if you really want to look into it, there's tons of books and resources on that. Uh, if you go to the CC Philly app, Joe Foge, he has a whole teaching just talking about the different giants that they found, the bones, the giant doors, the giant houses, the giant graves, lots of giant things. Talks about all those sorts of things. So if that's what you're into, man, you could totally go for that and look at that. In Jude chapter 1, verse 6, there's only one chapter there. We're right next door, so you could turn to the right in your Bible. Jude chapter 1, verse 6. Now Jude tells us, And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Again, some strange things were happening here. Some strange things happen in a lot of developing countries where people mess with demonic forces. That, that word drug use or pharmacia within the Bible, it, it opens up the portals. It opens up our senses and our lifestyles to much demonic activity. Right? A lot of these uh, mass killers, a lot of these people that go into places just to cause harm and destruction, there's always a common theme, right? They're hearing voices in their heads telling them to do different things and we need to be warned and aware of a realm that we do not see how god's word tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood but it's against principalities and powers and a world we cannot see that's why we need to be in prayer and we need to be in our word and we need to be so careful when we're opening doors of sin into our lives because we don't know truly what's on the other side of that sin and this would make sense that if Satan knew that through the lineage of Eve and Seth, there would one day come someone who would crush his head, that he would do his best to pollute this lineage so that the Messiah could never be born. You'll find that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. James Boyce says, Their Savior could not be born of a demon-possessed mother, so if Satan could succeed in infecting the entire human race, the Deliverer could not come. David Guzik says, Satan almost succeeded. The race was so polluted that God found it necessary to start again with Noah and his sons and to imprison the demons that did this so they could never do this again. We go back to Genesis chapter 6. It's always good in God's word not to obsess over certain verses. There are some people that do. They have entire blogs and books just on this. More power to them. Um, but we just continue verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Verse 5, we see, and now it tells us, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. Verse 5, it warns us that God saw the wickedness of man and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That word content, it's someone's directed attention. It's having the mind attention or will concentrated on something again it's our eager attention directed towards something it's having our mind attention or will concentrated on something and what we're seeing here is that what these people were obsessed with was just evil what they were obsessed with was sin we could turn to matthew chapter 24 jesus himself he does two great things for us here in matthew 24 
He opens up the scriptures even more, talking about what was going on in Noah's day. And now he also warns us what we should be looking for in the rapture. Or when Jesus comes and returns to save the church, to save those who believe before, just like Noah, a lot of problems begin to arise and judgment comes upon the earth. But in Matthew chapter 24, we can begin in verse 36. It tells us, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. They didn't even realize what was about to happen. We see that with the disciples as well. Jesus tells them over and over and over and over again that he's going to die, be buried three days, and resurrect. And they'll say they didn't understand what he was saying. But then after he dies and resurrects, it says now they understood all that he was once telling them. And it'll be the same thing with Noah's day. Once the rain started coming, I think they finally realized what was about to go down. And it'll be the same thing with the rapture that hopefully as you tell your friends and your family members, hopefully, man, they get saved and they're with us, raptured and in that same ark. But if not, that'll be the time when they realize what's going on. And family, we live in a day and age where the attention, the mindset, the concentration and the will of many people is evil and wickedness. So are we ready for the return of Jesus? People are obsessed. They're obsessed with the same things, eating and drinking and sex. It's the same thing that mankind is obsessed with. Everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. Everybody has an opinion of what's right and wrong, but only the Lord's opinion matters. Are we ready for the return of Jesus? That man, perhaps today we will have the best Father's Day ever, finally meeting our Father face to face. That today the rapture could come. And are you ready for that? Again, like that pop quiz, are you ready for that? Have you been studying? Have you been paying attention? Are you ready for the return of your master? Or is there some strike of fear that I need to get certain things ready? I need to change a couple things. We don't know the day or the hour. No one's going to be able to write a book telling us the day or the hour. Don't waste your money on that. But he's coming. He's coming, and if you're left behind, man, it's just pure judgment. You don't want to be here. It tells us that the Lord was sorry, or that the Lord repented for making man on this earth. And we know through Scripture that God never changes. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it tells us, Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. What this shows us is not that God realized that he was wrong or he messed up. He's not coming before the world and saying, oops, I'm sorry, let me fix a couple of things. What this is showing us is that God truly hurts when mankind goes down the path of sin. He was grieving in his heart to see the heart and the intentions of mankind. And this is also marking a change of how God was going to deal with mankind. Again, that line of grace had stopped in the mindset of God. And now he was going to shift from that mercy and grace to judgment and the cleansing of this world. And this is the heart that we should have when people sin. We should be brokenhearted. We should be grieved when we see mankind sinning and going after their own lusts and their own desires. We shouldn't applaud it, and we shouldn't be like the disciples asking fire to rain down from heaven and burn them all up. We should be broken. And it's a little bit easier to do when somebody's sinning against someone else or when someone's just making a bunch of dumb decisions. But when they sin against us, that's when we still need to be brokenhearted. Not because they sinned against us, but because they're in sin. Because they're out of God's perfect will and plan for their lives. Because that's how the Lord sees it. Even the unbelievers, he wills that no man would perish. We continue in Genesis chapter 6. Now we look at verse 8 and verse 9. 
It tells us, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the records of the generations of Noah. That Noah was a righteous man and he was blameless in his time. And Noah walked with God. We can turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. And then I'll just rattle off a couple cross references for us. You won't have to turn to all of those. But 2 Chronicles chapter 16, there's a very important scripture. Because if Jesus tells us it's going to be like in the days of Noah, and we see around us that everyone has their own opinion, everybody's doing whatever they feel is right or whatever they think is right, we need to be ready for the return of Jesus. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, there's a great verse for us to be reminded of. It tells us, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his, or that he's trying to show himself strong on behalf of those. Job chapter 34, verse 21, it tells us, For his eyes are upon the ways of a man, and he sees all his steps. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. Proverbs 15, verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching both the evil and the good. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And finally, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is abasing to those who do evil. We need to be reminded that God sees absolutely everything. And we forget about this way too often, that God sees absolutely everything. Nothing is hidden or secret from God. And yet, in spite of this, Noah finds approval in the eyes of God. When you see that word, Noah finds favor in the eyes of the Lord, it's Noah's finding approval in the eyes of God. Noah's getting a good job or you're living well, Noah. That's what Noah's getting from God. So family, who are we looking to find approval from? Are we seeking approval from the people in this world? From our social media followers? From our family? Or are we seeking the approval of God Himself? Who are the people that are approving our lives? Again, is it sinful people or is it godly people? Do we get bothered or mad when godly people are not approving of the lifestyle that we're living? Is it biblical or is it unbiblical? Because the only approval that matters is God's word. Again, we live in a day and age where like belly buttons, everybody has an opinion, right? Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody has an opinion of what marriage is supposed to look like, if homosexuality is right or wrong, if sex before marriage is right or wrong, is pornography right or wrong, are all these things right or wrong, is abortion right or wrong, but the only opinion that matters is the boss, right? It's the only opinion that matters. The only opinion that matters is what's in God's word. And even within Christians and believers, there's lots of opinions. But family, is your opinion backed by God's word? Because if it's not backed by God's word, it's wrong. That's it. That's it. That's it. You can leave that there. If it's not backed by God's word, it's wrong. The culture won't change things. Technology won't change things. Whatever God's word says, that is what stands true. If this book has been around for thousands of years and we've been around for 12 years, 20 years, 30 years, maybe someone in here, 80 years, 90 years, God's word has been around for thousands of years with thousands of men trying to debunk it, trying to burn it, trying to destroy it, and yet it has withstood the test of time. Family, who are we seeking approval from? That word seeking approval, it's as if God would accept it as satisfactory, right? At the end of each meal, we sort of give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. We have Yelp, Google reviews, Facebook reviews, and we give our approval or disapproval of things that happen, whether it's the cleanliness, whether it's the food, whether it's the service. And it's the same thing with the Lord in our lives. Would He approve the lifestyle that we're living and we can do our best to lie and try to cheat other people, but the Lord sees everything. There's no private window on our phone or on our computer that He doesn't see. 
There's no darker secluded place in the middle of the night or dark car parked somewhere that he doesn't see. He sees everything. And the scary part is that he's the one that judges whether we're able to enter heaven or not. It's him. It's not you and me. If I see you in sin, I could just warn you or I could approve you depending where I'm at with the Lord. But I don't have a weight on whether you go to heaven for all eternity or if you go to hell for all of eternity. That's only the Lord. And yet he's the one that sees every aspect of our lives. In Ephesians chapter 6, is a great verse. If you want, you can turn there. Just reminding us, who are we looking to please? Who are we seeking approval from? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6, it tells us, Not by the way of eye service, as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's slave or whether he's free. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, it warns us, the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. That word snare, it's like a noose, right? It's not something we deal with that much in modern times, but I know someone who has a farm and throughout the fence, they have little holes with these snares that are made out of barbed wire. And it's made so that when a predatory animal wants to come in and mess with their livestock, mess with their livelihood, the little fox or the coyote, whatever it is, comes through there and they fall into the snare. And they get choked out, they die out, and then there's nothing left there but a skeleton. Family, when we're seeking to please men and we're afraid of what they think of our lives, we're just tying a noose around our neck. It's a trap. It's a trap and you'll spend the rest of your life changing different colors like a chameleon. That every background you put behind it, it's like that Curious George movie. Every background you put behind that chameleon is going to change one color or the next. And you could be here and you have your chameleon skin for Calvary Chapel, Miami. And you could go to another church and you have your chameleon skin for that church. You could go to the gym, you have your chameleon skin for there. You're with your family, you have your chameleon skin for there. And you will drive yourself nuts because you will lose track of who you even are. You'll look in the mirror and there's just colors changing. You're like, man, who am I? And we can go through really rough seasons like that. But when our life is only focused on getting the thumbs up, getting the five stars from God, getting the well done, good and faithful servant from the Lord, there is peace. And what does it tell us in Proverbs 29, 25? We will be exalted. That in spite of maybe causing friction with someone because they're not approving of what you're doing, as long as it lines up with scripture, one day you'll be exalted. One day they may grow to respect you because of the stands you are making for the Lord. I know a lot of kids that as they grow up, they wish that their parents made stands for the Lord. And I know a lot of kids, myself being one, that now I respect my parents because of the stands that they made for the Lord. Even though at the time, I did not agree with it. Even though at the time, they got no stars for me, right? They got like a one star for me. But now, but now I see it. And they're exalted. And for us to have this type of lifestyle, for us to really do some homework, to look at our lives, man, who am I seeking approval from? Because you won't be able to be who you truly are in Christ. We go back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Now it tells us about Noah that he was a righteous man, that he was blameless in his time, and that Noah walked with God. We read earlier, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. You see, Noah, he wasn't just a chameleon Christian like we just talked about, acting the same as everybody else or maybe just not saying anything. But Noah, in the midst of everyone else on the planet living a sinful life, he was preaching righteousness to them. He was speaking to them about the things of God. He was warning them of the coming flood, of the coming rain, and of the coming judgment of God. He was being active in the role that God had given him. In Hebrews 11 verse 7, it tells us, By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. 
by which he condemned the world, and he became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Again, family, we live in a day and age where everything in our world is focused on committing evil. They are simply worried about their eating and drinking and having sex. That's what our world is consumed with. And yet in the midst of this, Noah was walking with God. He was being blameless and he was living righteously. And we need to stop lying to ourselves. We need to stop allowing the enemy to lie to ourselves that if Noah could do it, guess what, family? We can do it too. We can do it too, that if he was able to be righteous and blameless and holy, we can be the very same thing. Your kids can be the very same thing. I warn parents, whatever bar you set for your kids, that's what they're going to hit. If you have that bar in the ground, if you have that bar in sin, they're not going to go past it unless their walk with the Lord truly just explodes completely on their own. But if you have that bar set on the floor, man, they're going to hit it every time. But if you have that bar set high... You don't hit them at, with it when they don't make it. But what you do is you help them over it, right? My son is five years old. My daughter is two years old. I have a 10-month-old. And we have a pull-up bar. I don't say, hey, just get up there and crank out some pull-ups. What do I do? I pick them up. I put them on it. I help them get up and down. Yeah, you knocked out 30 pull-ups, man. Wow, let's see what's going on. Sometimes I'll let them hang there. I don't let them fall. I don't, but I don't now drop the bar to the floor and let them just pretend while they're standing up. Yeah, good job. You did great. No, we have to keep the bar where the Lord keeps the bar for us. And that's to be holy, to be pure, and to be righteous. And Noah was able to hit it without the Bible. Noah was able to hit it without phones or making phone calls. Noah was able to hit it without a church. Noah was able to hit it being the only person person that God said you are living righteously the only one and we make excuses to ourselves all the times Lord I'm the only one I'm the only one in my family I'm the only one here I'm the only one at my job but none of us are the only one in our city none of us are the only one in our state none of us are the only one in our nation and yet Noah was able to live righteously we even have the Holy Spirit we have the great comforter we have so many tools given to us we have technology, we have so much teaching and commentary and tools for the Bible and English, we could never read it all. And yet, we drop the bar. We say, I can live in sin, it's okay. Everybody else is doing it. May we live righteously. Again, family, what will be said of us when it's our time to pass? Will it be said that we were just like the world or we were that chameleon? Or will it be said of us that even though the entire world would be in sin, we were living differently? Again, we sing it. We sing that song, the, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. But are we living it? Is that truly the essence of our lives? Genesis chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. God, he's here and he's speaking to Noah through their relationship. And the Lord is warning Noah about how he's feeling. The Lord is warning Noah about what's about to go down. And the Lord is warning Noah now in the coming verses that he can save himself and his family. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago, how Enoch walked with God. We see Noah, he's doing the very same thing. But you don't walk with a stranger, right? You may walk with them awkwardly when you're walking out of Dolphin Mall and your cars are parked next to each other. Like, hey, why is this guy following me, right? Then you have cars that are next to each other. It's awkward and weird. But when you walk with someone, it's someone you love. It's someone you want to spend time with. You're not there checking out at Publix and you say, hey, you want to go out for a walk later today? They pull out the maze. They call the manager. Something, something wrong is going here. But when you ask someone you love, someone you care for, hey, let's go out for a walk. Hey, let's go out to the beach and let's just go walk. Hey, let's go to the mall and just walk around. It's because you want to spend time with them. You want to talk with them. You want to enjoy one another's company. And that's what needs to be said of us. Do we enjoy the Lord's company? 
Do we just say, Lord, I don't need you to heal my family. I don't need you to fix my problems. Lord, I don't need you to do a laundry list of things for me. Lord, I just, I just want to spend time with you. I just want to talk with you. I just want to read your word. And that's the desire I have more and more for my life. That it wouldn't just be about God. I need you to fix this laundry list of problems. My kid is being a brat right now and I need you to change him. Know that it will be, Lord, I just want to spend time with you. You've already done so much for me. Can we just hang out with one another? That that would be your heart more and more. The difficult thing for Noah and even within our world is that all of mankind was simply focused on themselves and what felt good to them. All of mankind, they were only focused on themselves and what felt good to them. Everyone was simply doing what was right in their own eyes. And yet God warns Noah and he gives him the commands for what he must do by faith to save him and his family. And it's the same thing for us guys. The world, they're out there. They're just going after their own lust. They're going after their own desires. But the Lord has created us for greater things than that. So one of the key things that there's a difference between us and animals. Animals, they just go after whatever they lust. Whatever they desire, that's what the animal goes after. But as we're filled with the Spirit more and more, we're able to tell the flesh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bite this kid's hand just because he's messing with me, right? That's the difference between us and the animals, that we have this and that we're able to have this communion with God. He's given us a soul and a spirit. That's the difference. But the more and more that we allow the enemy to take over our lives, the more and more we're going to act like animals. It's just about sex and pleasure and food and protecting myself. Genesis chapter 6 verse 14. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. And you shall make the ark with rooms and you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits the width 50 cubits and the height 30 cubits. And you shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. And you shall make it with a lower, a second and third deck. The Lord doesn't simply tell Noah, hey Noah, just sit back, relax. You've been so righteous for so long. Just sit back and relax. I got you. I'm going to make a floaty for you. I'm going to just pop it right up under you and you'll float in this whole thing. Noah had to put in work. Noah had to put in work in order to show God that he loved him and that he cared for him. In order to show that his faith was real and true. He had to put in work. He had to put in resources. He had to put in time, sweat, and energy. It's the same thing with us, family. We can't just simply say, Lord, I believe in you, I trust in you, but we put in no work for him. It's just a bunch of hot air, right? Don't we love it when our boss is like, hey, you're going to get a raise in a month. Hey, you're going to get a raise in six months. Hey, you're going to get a raise. Stop telling me when I'm going to get a raise. Just give me the raise, right? And this is what we do to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to do this for you one day. Lord, when all the stars align, that's when I'm going to do this for you. No, just start putting in the work. Show him that you love him and that you care for him. David Guzik, he opens up a lot about what's happening here with the ark and the details of it. The ark, it was as long as a 30-story building is high, which is about 450 feet long. That word cubit, Bible scholars, they argue if it's between 18 to 24 inches. They say it's from the elbow to the tip of the finger. So I guess it's just how tall or how big the person is or how little they were. And it was about 75 feet wide. And it was 45 feet high. What's described to us is not really a boat, but it's more of a barge, right? If you've ever seen those shipping vessels go through the port of Miami, they're not going super fast. They don't look super cool. They don't have music blasting out of them. They just look like a big square thing. And they're built for two things. Carry a lot of weight and don't sink. It's the same thing with the ark. It wasn't built to go chasing after mahi. It wasn't built to go wakeboarding or skiing. It wasn't built to go snorkeling on the reef. It was built to carry a lot of stuff and not sink. That's what the ark was built for. It was more of a shoebox type shape instead of like a deep V that we see to be able to crash through waves. Why? Because it was just going to rain from the top. So the world opened up and water gushed from beneath. So it just had to float. That's all that it had to do. The ark, it's roughly the shape of a shoebox, which had plenty large enough. It was plenty large enough. It was about the size of the Titanic. This is the boat that we're looking at. 
Not the little book that we give our kids that has all the animals like sticking out, barely fitting in, right? It's a huge boat. And it had a cubit wide opening all around the top. So it had a lot of ventilation. Again, you have like about 700 different types of animals for months. You want a lot of ventilation on that boat, right? You want a lot of ventilation on that boat. It wasn't until 1858 that a boat bigger than the ark was built. Again, how amazing our God is. The ark was certainly big enough to do the job. If the ark carried two of every family of animal, there were around 700 pairs of animals. But if the ark carried two of every species of animals, there were around 35,000 pairs of animals. We always think right away of the giraffes and the elephants, all the big giant animals. But the average size of a land animal is smaller than a sheep. And the ark could carry 136,000 sheep in half of its capacity, leaving plenty of room for people, food, water, and whatever other provisions were needed. Again, there's lots of great resources on this. You can go to answersingenesis.com. They have a ton of resources on the flood and on the ark. In Kentucky, they have a life-size a built ark. Hopefully one day we'll be able to go there and check it out. And throughout history, there's many men who've been able to see or claim to see the ruins of the ark there on Mount Ararat in the midst of Turkey and Russia and all the craziness that's going on there. There's documentation of it. There's videos on YouTube. Some pretty cool stuff if that's what you're into. Um, but we continue Genesis chapter 6 verse 17. It tells us, Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth. To destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall enter in the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Again, God looks at and deals with Noah personally. Can you imagine being told that the entire world is going to get judged and destroyed but only you and your family have a way to survive. Imagine if that's what you're being told. But if we read God's word, that's exactly what we're told as Christians. That the world is going to get judged. And only those who are of the family and household of Jesus Christ will survive. The Lord does the same thing with us with the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? The whole world it is. It's going to get judged. But we have a special covenant extended to us where we have access to God and we have access to heaven if we have believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And maybe next time we're together, we'll look at so many uh, similarities between Jesus and salvation and heaven as the ark and the flood. But one common thing that's amazing is that there's only one door on the ark. There's only one way to be in that boat. There's only one way to be saved from the oncoming judgment and family, it's the same thing with us. There's only one way in which man can be saved. There's only one way into heaven. And it's through Jesus, right? He says, I am the door. I am the way. He is everything. It's only through Jesus Christ and him alone. It tells us Noah was a righteous man. But we know there's never been a righteous man. It was through his faith that like Abraham, it was accounted to him as righteousness. It's all the work of the Lord. Verse 19, and every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark and keep them alive with you. I thought that was really funny. Keep the animals alive. And they shall be male and female of the birds after their own kind and of the animals after their kind and every creeping thing on the ground after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you and keep them alive. As for you, take for yourselves some of all the food which is edible and gather it to yourselves, and it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. This is quite the laundry list of things to do, right? This is quite the grocery list. This is quite the honeydew list. This is quite the punch list of work to do. He had to build a giant boat. It took him anywhere from 75 years to 120 years to build this. You have to build a massive boat with no sawzalls, no chop saws, no reciprocating saws, no drills, no hammer drills, all a la mano, right? Everything hand. That's how he had to build everything. And yet, after that, the Lord's going to bring him all the animals. He needs to gather them. Then he has to gather enough food for months 
of being out at sea. He has to gather all these things, and yet Noah did it. Family, for us, there's only two things we got to do. We just got to love the Lord with everything we got, and we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. Those are the only two things we have to do, and yet we fail. I fail every day at those two things. Matthew Poole, he tells us the work of building the ark was laborious, it was costly, it was tedious, and it was dangerous. And it was seemingly foolish and completely ridiculous, especially when all things continued in the same posture and safety for so many years, whereby Noah, without a doubt, was all that while the song of the drunkards, and he was the sport of the wits of that age. So it is not strange that, he, that this is mentioned as a heroic act of faith. Again, the Lord didn't ask Noah to do this, and he's able to build it in a year or build it in six months. It took him 75 to 120 years to build this. And again, there was no rain before this happened. The world had had this perfect little greenhouse effect. There's no rain before. There's no flooding before. I'm not sure if boats really existed before this. And Noah works in complete faith, trusting the Lord and his word. And guys, without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And all the while, he's preaching and telling other people to join him in this quest of faith. He's begging and pleading with other people, man, guys, you got to be saved. You have to enter into the Lord. You have to have this relationship and walk with God. Again, imagine the Lord tells you there's going to be a massive blizzard in Miami, right? It's a giant blizzard in Miami. And you got to get the only snowplow in Miami. So you go out, you buy your Ford F450, right? And you change out the wheels, you start putting a track. But it's not one day, it's a year and two years. You start gathering all the salt together. If anybody knows how to deal with snow, right? Start getting all your snowplows, all your snowblowers. Start stacking up in hot chocolate and coats and stuff like that. And man, everybody's going to be looking at you weird. What does this guy have? He has a plow? What even is that? Right? Is that a bulldozer? What is that? What is that thing on the front of that truck? And man, one year, two years, five years, ten years, 75 years of building this thing and not one drop of rain. And imagine, oh, Lord, can you just give me like five drops of rain, right? Can you give me something? Something so that these people will see what you're doing. But he had to live by faith. And it's the same thing for us. Trusting this Bible, not caring about our opinions or the opinions of this world. It's by faith. It's simply by faith. In order to stay pure and holy and uh, be blameless and not be having sex before marriage, it takes faith. To not be bad-mouthing our spouse, it takes faith. To be merciful and gracious when people hurt us and harm us, it takes faith. So if we're not having faith in these things that God's word, what it says it means and what it means it says, we're not going to be able to please God. God's not going to look at us and have favor when he looks at us because we're not living according to his word because we're living without faith. We're only living with what we see. I see that, man, I have this and this Christian, that they're my examples, that they're living in sin, so now I can live in sin. I don't go after Billy Graham. I go after the guy that is like deadbeat Christian. That's the guy I want to be like, right? So for us, we need to live in faith. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We can start in verse 10. It tells us, for the one who desires life, to love, and to see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and he must do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord, they are towards the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Family, we need to remember our decisions, they all multiply. We're going to eat way more than whatever we put into things. We're going to reap way more than we're sowing. You put that one little seed in, you get this big tree that gives fruit, and then each of those fruits have 10 seeds, 50 seeds, whatever amount of seeds each fruit has. And our decisions, they not only affect our lives, they affect the lives of everyone around us. They affect the lives of those whom we love most. If you're here and you're single or you don't have a family yet, they will affect 
your future spouse. They will affect your future kids. The decisions we make today, again, they echo into eternity. They will affect everything we deal with. I wish we could say, we mentioned it earlier, that Noah finished strong and that his legacy stayed pure and amazing. But later on, he messes up royally and it greatly affects his own sons. So family, may we seek God's approval. Again, at the end of the day, his approval is the only one that matters. He's the only one that will save us once this judgment comes. The good thing is we don't have to be working for our salvation, right? He's already done it. He's done the work. We need to accept it by faith. But then we have to live in it, right? He would tell so many people when Jesus would heal them, he'd say, hey, you're healed. Go and sin no more. It's the same thing he tells us. He says, hey, I've done all the work. Just accept the gift. But now you got to live in it. Now you got to own it. Now you got to live in the freedom that I've given you instead of going back to that cruel taskmaster that sin is. Finally, Psalm 103, verse 13, it tells us, Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And maybe today, again, it's nothing name it and claim it or prosperity gospel, but maybe today you are in a rough season of life. And sometimes, not always, rough seasons in life are because we're constantly making sinful decisions. And we're constantly making decisions for our flesh instead of decisions for the Lord. Pray. Pray with the person next to you. Lord, am I making a ton of fleshly decisions? Am I making a ton of evil decisions? And now I'm eating the fruit of my sin. Again, sin, it always leads to death. And sin, it needs a payment. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so we don't have to. But something needed to die for the sin of mankind. Sin, it cannot go unpunished. God is too righteous to allow that. So in our lives, the more we embrace sin, just remember, this is the very thing that placed Christ on the cross. This is the very thing that if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is the very thing that will sentence us to hell for all of eternity. So for us, man, may we remember we have a perfect Father in heaven, and may we be those who live blamelessly and righteously in this crazy world that we live in.